Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, campus pastor Trevor McDonald has part two of the series titled, Jonah, the Story of a Runaway. Continue this series in the book of Jonah. And I will say this will be uh, maybe a different experience for those who come around often and maybe you're just kind of passing through and checking out what this church thing's all about or maybe even just checking out what Four City Church is all about. Normally when I come up here, I'll have a lot of really neat stories and I'll give a lot of energy into them. Um, it's just kind of the way I talk. I, I like kind of maybe breaking down some of the walls and allowing us to kind of experience what the text is really saying. And today I'm really wanting us to peer into the story of Jonah and what he's experiencing. You know, last week we looked at Jonah chapter one and find that he's running away from the call of God that's on his life. And he finds himself eventually on this boat and they toss him overboard and is in the sea. And then this great fish swallows him up. And this is where we continue this talk in Jonah chapter two. It's this long prayer that Jonah utters in the middle of the mess that he kind of created for himself. And before I get into Jonah 2, it's only 10 verses, so I'm going to read the whole thing and then we're kind of look at some of the pieces in it. I want to give you up top some of my intentions as I talk today. I don't usually do this outside the intention that I, I pray that we see Jesus in, in the text, that we see Jesus in this experience and we walk out maybe just a little bit more filled with hope in, in life and different. But I have three intentions. My intention number one is this, is that that I'll be able to speak truth uh, in the middle of tragedy. My intention is that I speak truth today. And maybe for you, there's some tragedy that you've experienced or you're experiencing, some traumatic moments that you've had to encounter or walk through or go through. Maybe you're on the other side of those things or maybe you're right dab in the middle like Jonah was. My other intention is that we'd be able to experience hope even in the midst of our hell. And in the middle of the hell moments that we experience that there is hope. My last and final intention is that we would allow space here at the end to reflect, to create space to reflect on what he's saying ultimately within this text. So I'm gonna start by reading Jonah 2. And my hope is that we look at this text as I read it, and it's going to be on the screens as well, is that for you, as you sit there and you read these words, or maybe you listen to me as I read them out loud, is that you begin to personally reflect on where you find yourself in the middle of the story. You know, Jonah is this four-chapter book. It's rather short, and scholars will say it's a minor prophet, the prophet Jonah, and so many implications within the story of Jonah that leads to the person of Jesus and leads to this idea of salvation. Yet today I want to look at these 10 verses and have some commonality within these verses. As we've walked through this life called the human experience and so many ups and downs and finding ourselves in the text, finding what's happening here in Jonah's cry in his prayer out to Yahweh, out to God, as he is finding himself in the belly of the fish. 
begin to reflect on your own relationship with God or maybe the one that you once had or you long to have or maybe there's a misunderstanding of who he is and what he's done. So this is our opportunity to sit and lean and reflect and think and ponder. Your experience is good, bad, ugly, whatever it may be, but here's Jonah's prayer. Verse one says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, this word Sheol would would mean hell. The belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep, in the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters close in over me to take my life that deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought me up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. Verse seven, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay you, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And when you read this text, I don't know if you're like me, but there's a lot of moments where I relate to what Jonah's saying. This idea of the floodwaters surrounding you, the seaweed wrapped around my neck, almost like there's a cry of such absolute hopelessness that Jonah has in this moment. This cry of, of the belly of the fish, this sheol, I'm, I'm in hell crying out to you. This is what Jonah's experiencing. Maybe this is for you. This is kind of what you feel like you're experiencing or has at least. I was singing this idea that if you, if you ever had like a, a bad dream and you woke up and it's almost like you, you begin to ponder, like, did, is that, is it real? Did that actually happen? Like there's this weight on your chest when you wake up and you think, did I, did I just dream reality? Did something actually happen? Do I have to do something about this thing? Or maybe if you've ever been driving on the highway late at night, or maybe it's even in the day, you begin to kind of fall asleep at the wheel, incredibly unsafe been there and then you kind of like come to and you find yourself still kind of on the road and you're like whoa I don't know how I got here I imagine this is a little bit of Jonah sitting in the belly of the fish how did I get here and like I said I'm looking at these 10 verses and I reflect and I think yeah I relate. There's moments where I can relate to what Jonah is crying out. So what do you do when you're trapped in the belly of the fish? What do you do when it feels like you're actually living the bad dream? What do you do when you feel like darkness has completely surrounded you from all sides? 
What do you do when you're crying out in these moments? Whether that was because, like Jonah, it was because of your own mess, your own shortcomings put you here. Perhaps it's because of the mess and shortcomings of other people that that has caused you to be in the mess that you find yourself in, maybe even today. Or you find yourself crying out in the belly of Sheol because it's this thing called life. I didn't ask for this. I didn't really do anything. I felt like I was doing the right thing and next thing you know, the wrong thing happens. I'm just crying out in the belly of hell, wondering why this is going on. Whether it's your mistakes, someone else's, or friends, you and I can relate in this human experience that we are all on today. This thing just called, just chalk it up for life. But I find myself sitting in the belly of Sheol multiple times. So what do you do when you feel trapped? See, I read this prayer, these 10 verses, and I don't know if you're like me, but I find myself in multiple verses in this chapter. Verse two, I'll put it on the screen, Jonah two, verse two says, I called out to the Lord out of my what? My distress. And he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. This word Sheol, like I said earlier, in the context, it would have meant this idea of hell. Now for them, Sheol would have actually been, they, they, they knew how the land was made, but they, they believed that in the underworld where death was, that's what they would call Sheol. And you know what? No one comes out of Sheol. No one comes out of the underworld. And this is where Jonah finds himself, crying out of his distress. The depths of the earth where no one is resurrected. This is where Jonah finds himself. Perhaps this is where you have found yourself or find yourself, crying out of the depths of the earth in your distress. And yet we see this verse and we see that God answers me and he hears my voice that friends, if you can hear this today, even in the depths of the underworld moments, the Sheol hell moments of your life, you can cry out and he'll answer you and he'll hear you. Amen. You can pray even while you feel like you are sitting in hell. You can still pray. We see this with the life of Jonah is crying out in his distress. His prayer goes on in verse three. It says, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me all your ways and your billows passed over me. Now here's where I read this and I have to get a little uncomfortable, allow myself to get a little uncomfortable and this may bother most of you in the room as it bothers me. Jonah says, for what? For you, cast me into the deep. Who is you? Now we know in in chapter one, Jonah is tossed into the seas by the sailors that said, get off the boat. But Jonah sitting in the belly of Sheol is praying 
You cast me into the deep. Who's you? It's God. I'm in here. This circumstance, the situation that I'm in, you put me in this moment. See, I believe that even with Jonah, and maybe for your life, you begin to have what this thing is called perspective, that you'll be able to kind of stand back 30,000 feet and see that there's moments in your life and my life where God allowed certain things to happen for a reason. And we see this in Jonah. Jonah 2, 3, saying, you cast me into the belly of Sheol. You put me in this moment where the floodwaters have surrounded me. Friends, we have this default assumption that as we begin to live for God, that there may be this perfect passageway to our destiny and our destination. All because we're living for God. All things are supposed to be what? Perfect, great, good, grand, wonderful. It's gotta be good. And yet we see in scripture and you have experienced in your own life that God's highest priority is not for you to have a perfect passageway to your destination, friend. I hate to break some hearts and minds today. But this idea of living out the life that God has called you and I to live, you may experience these Sheol moments where you are crying out in the belly of a fish saying, hey, are you there? Can you answer me? God's highest priority in your life and my life is not perfect passageway to the destination. His highest priority is that he calls you to him. Whatever means necessary. Does it hurt? Oh yeah. Is it painful? For sure. And yet, God's highest priority is to call you to him and to mold and shape your what? Your character so that you come out better and more like him. But these Sheol moments, friends, I have learned you cannot run from them. You know what I've learned as well? Difficult news. I told you I'm speak truth in this tragedy. Sometimes you can't even pray them away. They just happen. Whether it's because like Jonah, you put yourself in this mess. Whether it's because someone else's shortcomings have you have put you in this mess or chalk it up for just good old life. Stuff just happened and here I am. But instead of me running from it and even stuffing it down, you embrace it and you cry out in your Sheol moments. And I've learned in my experience that in these moments of Sheol, in these moments of crying out to God in hell, that he reveals who I am and who I am to become. So for you in those moments where you're crying out in the belly of the fish, he's revealing who you are and who you are to become. Embrace it. This August, for me and my family, it'll be, it'll be five years since we experienced these Sheol moments. 
Five years ago, August 27, 2017, I've shared this story on this stage. Maybe it's not all the details I shared today. Like I said, what are my intentions? I'm gonna speak truth to tragedies. We're living in Houston, Texas at the time, and it was one of the greatest floods in American history, and we were right there in the crossfires of it. 4.30 in the morning, my wife wakes up. I haven't slept a, a, a wink, and she wakes up and says, have you been up all night? I said, yeah, I can't sleep. She said, what's going on? I said, it's not good. And we look out our, our, our front window at the street that we used to pull up to go into our driveway is now just this rushing river because the flood has surrounded our entire house. We have a four and one-year-old at the time. Within an hour, water would just come in in all angles. And this isn't something you mop up like it's a, a glass that spilled water. It finds its way in every crevice of your home and it's an unstoppable force. Truly, the floodwaters were surrounding us in a way that now we're actually walking in it. And for hours, we're in this moment in our house, flooding as the water is rising more and more with our four and our one-year-old wondering what in the world are we gonna do? What are we doing? Why is this happening? How do we get out? We're trying to figure out plans. Do we get on the roof? Do we just do we sit up there, but it's pouring rain? How, how are we going to do that with a four and a one-year-old? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We begin to call people that we think, like, maybe someone's going to come save us. In fact, my, my wife writes on a long piece of paper, please help, and puts it in the window, just in case. Just in case someone will be coming by on a boat. Maybe they're looking for people to rescue. Please help. Hours later, around 9.30 in the morning, two neighbors of ours that we didn't even know were neighbors but became true neighbors that day, Matt and Chris, kayaks, knocked on the door, came into our living room on kayaks. They said, you guys ready? I said, yeah, we're ready. Got on these kayaks, four and one-year-old, eventually got to safety, pouring down rain, got to this part where we could be safe for hours and then eventually we had to walk through about a mile and a half of waist high water as we carry our kids to this to this guy with a truck that, that we knew that eventually got as close as he could to us. We're safe for a few days and eventually the waters receded throughout the city of Houston and about three days later we get to our house and it's completely destroyed. Everything's done, everything's gone and, and over the Next couple of weeks, we have to take everything out. And then eventually all of our stuff, our whole entire house is now in the curb. Gone, done. She all, hell, what in the world is happening? We find ourselves asking these questions towards one another, to God, to friends. Devastating at so many different angles because what we're experiencing, we don't really know how to actually grieve it and know how to, how to, share it properly and we're trying to sit in it but we're also trying to like take care of our kids and our family and what, what, what do you do with all this and some of the most painful moments were when people that I loved and respected would say certain things to me how you doing I said oh man it's really hard and then responses that were incredibly insensitive and again what am I doing I'm speaking truth to tragedy so you got to bear with me a little bit today lines like well hey could have been worse Lines like, hey, well, at least you had insurance. In years of having to process these, these things where you feel like 
Is it wrong for me to grieve? Is it, is it wrong for me to experience the hurt and the pain and the loss and these different things that I had to go through, we had to go through as a family? What do you do with all that pain? Friends, you are not made to be superhuman. So if you are grieving, friends, grieve. Grieve. Healing comes in truth. The truthful you, not the lying you. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. This is painful. There's healing in your grief moments. So the good news was like, hey, we actually did have insurance. So what do we get to do? Well, I guess we get to put our house back together any way we want to. It's exciting. So we begin to do that. And as we begin to do that, we feel this pull in our hearts to begin to explore maybe going to a different spot in the country to take another job and leave the one that we're in that was incredibly comfortable and good. But we have this house we're putting together and it took about a year with so many details that I will spare you on why it took so darn long. So we put it all together. It's on the market. We're excited. We're going to move to this new place. We truly felt like, man, we're moving to the promised land. It's a new, a, a new beginning. Felt like a fresh start. This is the right thing to do. We move our family to South Carolina. I'm going to take a job at this church with a friend of mine who I loved and respected. And I've known for years. And I trusted his character and trusted his integrity and trusted his leadership. So we said, absolutely, we'll go do that. We'll put our house in the market, we'll sell it, and we'll make all that money back that we put into it. Spoiler alert, lost all of it. 175 grand into it, gone. Hadn't seen one dime. She all, hell, moments of pain, questioning, anger, frustration. What is going on? But hey, it's all good. We're in a whole new city, new fresh start. At this job, unbelievable. So many people are tuning into what's happening here in this city of, in, in South Carolina. It's an incredible moment of ministry. It's happening, happening, and we get to be a part of it, and we're humbled, and we're honored, and we're thankful, and we're like, are you kidding me? We look at each other and say, can you believe we get to be here? We would say things like, man, God is in this. It's undeniable. Within three to four months, things would begin to crash down with the leadership of that church. Different scandals that were happening, infidelity that was taking place, money issues, lawsuits. And we're stuck in the middle of someone else's mess and we're asking questions like, what in the world, why are we here? We're in the belly of a fish crying out, oh God, are you here? Are you listening? Because I feel like I'm in Sheol. I feel like I'm in the underworld, the depths of hell, asking these hard questions of one tragedy to the next tragedy. What's next, God? Are you even in any of this? I remember the anxiety and the pressure on my chest was so strong. Every single morning I'd wake up. If I went to our local news on the internet, I would anticipate another headline about our pastor and about our church. Another problem, another issue, another scandal. I would anticipate it because it was so regular. I was embarrassed. Someone asked me, 
If I was out in the city grabbing a cup of coffee, hey, where do you work? I was embarrassed to even say where I worked. I was embarrassed of what I did. I wanted to quit all of it for two straight years. This is what we had to endure every single day. Being brought into spaces and meetings where we'd be lied to. Why? Why am I in this? Why am I in the belly of a fish crying out to God? Are you listening? I feel like I'm in Sheol. I experienced pain. I don't need another thing of pain. I thought you were faithful. You brought me through this. I thought we were supposed to be in like the promised land moment. And yet it's one thing after another. Nah, I don't want to do any of this ever again. Done with this. What do you do when you're in Sheol? What do you do when you're in these moments? Tragedy where you feel trapped. You don't know where to go. I remember even my wife and I had these conversations. She would say things like, are we being punished? Are we being punished? Is God punishing us? Is this why we find ourselves in Sheol? Is this why we find ourselves in the belly of the fish crying out? Having to grieve one season. Thought you saw a victory and now you're in another one. Friends, this is the human experience that you and I go through. In the belly of Sheol. And yet, I did say that I would speak hope in the middle of our hell, right? Psalm 139 says this, seven and eight. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or shall I flee? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are what? There. Whether it's on the mountaintop of life or the lowest of low moments, God is in the midst of all of it. Friends, all of us want to ascend to the heavens. If we're honest in this room, I want to ascend to heavens. I want the promised land moments. I want to be good all the time. But I told you earlier, truth and tragedies. We have this assumption that there'll be a perfect passage to our destination. And friends, can I just kind of break some hearts today? It's not possible. And yet the hope in your hell is that even in your Sheol, God is in the presence. God is there. God's in the midst. And we see this in Jonah's life. He's like, hey, I'm crying from the belly of Sheol in the moment, the lowest moment of my life. And yet what? You answer me? You hear me? You're there. Whatever it is. Whatever season you find yourself in, friend. This is the hope in the middle of our hell that God is still yet there doing a work for a purpose, on purpose, whether you feel it or not, whether you are screaming out to God with your fist in the air, cursing him, yet he is big enough to receive that and also be with you and sitting in your pain. Please do not ever feel ashamed when you feel like you're cursing God. Why are you doing this? Where are you? Don't feel ashamed of those seasons. 
Because friends, I'm telling you, God is near what? The brokenhearted. He's with you. He's in your moments of hell. He's in your moments of Sheol. He can take it. He's a big God. He can take your pain. He can take your hurt. He can take your cursing. He can take all of it. Because he's good and he's big and he's faithful and he loves you. Friends, where can I go from your presence? Nowhere. He's in all of it. And I had to stand back and this didn't happen in months. Took years to have an understanding of why these past several years have been like this. These Sheol moments, these hell moments. Why is this happening? Perspective will give you, or time will help you, give you some perspective. And even reading the story of Jonah, you can read chapter two and you can find yourself in so many different of these verses, this prayer, this cry that Jonah has. But there's a part in Jonah chapter one, verse 17, that we have to begin to read to understand why this is happening and how God operates. Look what it says. Now the Lord, what? Provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Friends, whether you like this or not, the Lord provides a vehicle called mercy and grace, even in the middle of those hell seasons of your life. Now, what's amazing about this verse, in our English text, we see it as Jonah 1.17. In the original Hebrew text, it would have been chapter 2, verse 1. Give us some perspective on this chapter. The Lord provides, sends what you need in every single season of your life. Whether you are satisfied with the vehicle he sent, I'm not sure if you would be like me, but I don't want to sit in the belly of a fish. I don't want to go what I went through. My family had to endure in all those different years, losing this, losing that, trusting someone that I loved, and then losing that trust almost overnight. I don't want to go through those seasons, and yet that's the vehicle that God had to use. Why? So he could call me to himself. Show me who I am. Build character. Mold you into who you are to become. He hears you in these cries through your anger, through your tragedy, through your pain. He sends these vehicles of mercy and grace. Every suffering that you, friend, have endured has a cause and a reason. For me, it was this mirror that had to be put up in front of my face to see who I was and who I was to become. Whether we like this or not, you and I, we need Sheol. Whether you like it or not, you need Sheol. You need death so things can fall off you so you can resurrect to the person you're supposed to become. That's why you go through hell. That's why you go through these moments. Because there's things in your life and my life that had to be fully stripped away, whatever that may be for you. So you come out resurrected, fully formed on the other side. Preparing you for whatever's next. Again, perspective is everything. So I remember thinking like, man, I went through this flood thing in, in Houston and then I go through this thing in, in South Carolina. What in the world, why is all this happening? Friends, the thing you experienced in one season was preparing you to endure it differently in the next season. And you may be crying out to God like, why another tragedy? Why another mistake? Why another failure? Why another thing that I gotta be caught up in someone else's mess? Why is this taking place? Friends, all he is doing 
is preparing you. Why? It's because he loves you. It's because he loves you. That's hard to understand when you're in the middle of your Sheol moments. You're like, hey, cool sermon. Thanks. He allows these moments to happen. I didn't ask for it, but I'm grateful for it. Maybe a few years ago, I wouldn't be able to say that, but friends, I'm telling you, I'm grateful for Sheol, grateful for hell, because it crafts you into the person you're supposed to become. Like I said, I was speaking hope into the midst of, of your hell. The good news is we find Jesus Even in this story, can't go away from his presence. Jonah's sitting in the belly of a fish. Jesus sat in the belly of a grave and came out resurrected with true and full life so you and I could also experience full life in him. Look what it says in Hebrews. It says this, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what is so ready to, he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. We have a savior, a high priest named Jesus that has experienced it all and he understands your reality. In those moments of pain and suffering and hurt, Jesus is your advocate and he's with you in the highest and he's with you in the lowest. And he walks with you through all of it. Even in the middle of Sheol, these hell-bent moments. Now, it doesn't mean we won't experience pain, friends, because you and I both know you'll experience it again and again, with this human experience that you and I get to be on a journey with one another is that we would begin to be shaped into the person that we're supposed to become every single step of the way. So what do you do when you're in hell? Jonah 2.7 says this, when my life was fainting away, this is his prayer, I what? I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. What do you do when you're in hell? What do you do in, the, in these Sheol moments? Remember. Remember the Lord. Psalm 77 says this. The psalmist sings out, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will. What? Remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Friends, I have found that in the middle of Sheol moments in my life, remembering God, remembering his goodness, remembering his faithfulness, even if it takes grit to begin to remember, remember who he is in these moments. For me, in the middle of those past several years, what has kept me on track the most is this idea of focusing on what I can control. Because in our moments of 
anxiety and our moments of, of Sheol where we just don't know what's going on and this is happening on the left and something's over here on the right and then it's up and it's down and we feel like we're all over the place. The thing that kept me so centered in these moments, not perfect but centered, was I tried the best I could to focus on what I could control. Control the controllables. And those things that I could focus on the most were things like waking up at a certain time early in the morning to spend time in his word every single day. To spend time praying and thinking and pondering and meditating and writing. Disciplining my life, disciplining my body, working out almost every single day. What I can control is how my home felt with my kids. I could focus on us making sure it was a joy filled with home, with joy, sorry, a home filled with joy and a home filled with peace. I could control those things. Everything else, I cannot control the outside circumstances, but I can control what happens in here and what happens in my home. And daily disciplines, keeping track, keeping my eye on that and remembering that he is with me and he is faithful, amen? So what do you do in hell? Decisions you have to make in the middle of your Sheol moments. Having perspective and understanding that these moments are meant to bring you closer and nearer to him. There's this great quote by Wendell Phillips. American abolitionist of the 1800s said this, what is defeat? Nothing but education. Nothing but the first step to something better. What is defeat? What is painful seasons? What is heartache? Nothing but education. Friends, you may be in this room and you're saying, I don't have one degree or maybe you got three degrees. But I'm looking at a room filled with people with masters, multiple of them on shelves in your home and shelves in your mind because you have experienced so much in your life that all it was, friends, when you have perspective in your life, it's simply education. And you've been through so many things, the highs and lows of life that you've experienced the pain and hurt, frustration and anger and loss that now you are actually being educated each and every day. Why? Because God loves you and he's bringing you unto himself in these seasons. looking at a room filled with people who've encountered and experienced such pain and such loss for reasons and purposes that we may not fully understand. But I'm looking at a room filled with people that are resilient, that are conquerors, that are fighters. And you may feel like you're up against something that you're crying out from the belly of Sheol even today, even right now in this moment, and you're saying, I don't understand what's happening, but I will take this encouraging word that he hears me and he answers me. And even though the other side might not happen for quite some time, I believe there's a, there's a purpose even in the middle of this Sheol moment. So friends, what if, what if the moments that you're experiencing and the moments that you've experienced was so that he could bring you closer to him, so that your character can be molded into the person that God is calling you to become, 
What if you're in these Sheol moments, the belly of the fish moments, so that you could begin to put a mirror up to your life and ask the hard questions. Am I who I'm supposed to be or is there more? Are there some things in my life that need to die so I can be resurrected to the person that God is calling me to become? What if that's why you're in it? If you're in in the middle of these moments, be truthful in this tragedy. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Speak truth to it. If there's grieving that needs to take place, grieve. If there's honest conversation that needs to happen, be honest. Come out stronger. Come out more resilient. Come out with power. Come out with wisdom. Come out with a tenacity that knows that, man, I have been through some things and yet God remains faithful in all of it. Amen. And that's your story. This isn't my story. It's your story. It's our story. brought in this space by accident sitting in these blue plush seats for a re- for some random reason listening to a guy kind of lose his voice here and there as they scream nonsense maybe but you're here so you understand that the sheol that you're sitting in is not for some random haphazard purpose that God has you in the middle of these moments to remind you who you are and whose you are. You are a fighter and you are resilient and you have a story to tell so other people can be encouraged by the resilient resilience that you've endured, that you've gone through, that you've put on display. implore you to share your Sheol moments without shame. Yours looks different than mine and that's okay. It's a beautiful mosaic that God has created on this earth for a reason. The neighborhood that you live in, the job that you have, the people that you know, the experience that you've gone through. Yeah. What if that wasn't just for nothing? What if I went through that pain so I could know him more? What if I went through that pain so I could share these truths of who he is? That he's with me through it all. And he's good through it all even when I'm not good, even when I'm frustrated, even when I'm angry. Yeah, what if? Amen? So I said my other intention was for us to allow some space, create some space for you to reflect. Whether you want to sit or stand, we're going to 
sing together and I would invite all of us to stand unless you need to sit and think and reflect. We're gonna sing this last song of worship together. Amen? Amen. You've been listening to Trevor McDonald with part two of the series, Jonah, the story of a runaway. Thanks for listening.